0: the New Statesman. Hello, you're listening to a special episode of the New Statesman podcast from the New Statesman's Spotlight team. We cover policy for those who shape it and the businesses it affects. I'm Emma Hazlitt. In this episode, we're discussing how businesses can help to tackle plastic pollution, one of the most pressing environmental issues in the UK. The UK is one of the biggest plastic polluters in the world. According to Greenpeace, we produce more plastic waste per person than almost any other country, with our supermarkets creating roughly 800,000 tonnes every year. To stop plastic ending up in landfill or oceans, we need to find ways to minimise waste through keeping products, packaging and materials in circulation for as long as possible. This can be achieved through methods that reduce, reuse Repair and recycle plastics rather than dispose of them after a single use. This more sustainable model is known as the circular economy and policies such as deposit return schemes, which are already used around the world, can help support it. With a general election coming up, creating a circular economy will be a crucial component of the next government's net zero agenda and businesses will also need to play their part. We'll be looking at the schemes that companies can commit to and how government policy can incentivise them. This episode is sponsored by Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners. Joining me is Julian Hunt, Vice President of Public Affairs, Communication and Sustainability of GB and Northern Europe at Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners. Ruth Jones, Labour MP for Newport West and Shadow Minister for Environmental Protection and Animal Welfare. And Dr. Costas Veles, a lecturer in Resource Efficiency Systems in the School of Civil Engineering at the University of Leeds. Welcome to all of you. Costas. I would love to start with you because there is a statistic saying that UK supermarkets create roughly 800,000 tonnes of plastic waste every year, more per person than almost any other country. That is quite a shocking figure. Why is it so prolific here and what is the impact on the environment?
1: Yes, uh, thank you, Emma. I, I think uh, we should be a bit careful about uh, those statistics that have not necessarily been obtained with uh, a standardised scientific methodology. All in all, uh, our research demonstrates uh, uh, that the consumption of uh, materials and the uh, arising of waste is strongly associated to socio-economic conditions. That said, uh, the plastics materials consumption across the world. Is not so dissimilar. It's one of the parameters that most of the societies, from the least affluent to the most affluent, um, find that they all of them, as a percentage of the uh, uh, municipal soil waste that we're generating, they all generate similar uh, percentages. So I would say that all in all, the amount of waste uh, plastics that we're seeing in general, is uh, really in line with our level of socioeconomic development.
0: So it, it might not feel like it, but we are one of the more affluent countries. What measures can the UK put in place specifically to manage it?
1: There is a lot of measures uh, that are already in place and had historically in place. Uh, however, we understand that we need to change. We need to boost circularity. Um, we had some major frustrations in the past with regard to over-reliance on exports, on destinations that we were not sure were meeting uh, sufficient environmental standards. We have still major issues with uh, littering of that material, but we need a complex array of measures, of course, measures that are in the direction of uh, product stewardship uh, in the form of uh, extended producer responsibility or deposit return schemes and uh, why their measures are in the right direction. However, we have to look at the very reasons why things are happening, and I would say no single measure is gonna deliver on every level. So we need an array of measures and looking at defendable data and measuring progress towards a um, better future, better management overall of resources, not just looking things in isolation.
0: I mean, that's talking about the UK on a national level, but if we're looking at individual companies, you know, Julian, you're representing a major food and drink brand, Coca-Cola, Euro-Pacific partners. What are you guys doing to reduce your environmental impact?
2: Well, I think uh, building a little bit on what Costa says, we're trying to take a very holistic view of uh, the packaging that, that we use. Simply put, you know, we want to make sure none of it ends up as waste or worse still litter. We, we think that it's got to be a priority for us. Uh, and we want more of our packaging to get collected and recycled, both to support the uh, the circular economy, but, but also we, we know that packaging is a key part of our total carbon footprint. So in terms of delivering on our overall net zero ambitions, it's absolutely critical that, that we address some of the issues around, around packaging. And our strategy's got a number of parts. Firstly, Let's make sure everything we put on the market can be recyclable. It sounds basic, but it's an absolutely key part of our overall strategy. Focus on ways that we can reduce our use of materials, particularly virgin plastic materials in our products. Investing in the use of recycled materials, which links directly to that. So all of our small PET bottles, for instance, are all 100% recycled plastic. And then innovating, looking for new ways to support circular economy we've recently rolled out attached caps on all of our plastic bottles because that addresses an issue around litter helps their, their recycling uh, and also has allowed us to lightweight the bottle further we also look at ways to remove hard to recycle materials so all of our multi-packs are now moving towards board outers rather than shrink wrap we know that technically shrink wrap can be recycled but for the consumer it's actually quite hard to do it whereas board is typically collected in most curbside schemes and
0: by board you mean cardboard presumably
2: cardboard yeah cardboard multi-packs and then the last last thing for us is explore ways that we can grow our draft business so the dispense units that you see maybe in pubs and restaurants it's a big part of our business and look at new models to grow that side of our business as well as look ahead to the future and the possible role to be played for refill systems. so Lots going on in all of this, but we're trying to take a very measured and total view of our packaging, our packaging use, and how to improve its circularity and sustainability. And I think linked directly to that is the collection point. And for us, the opportunity for Great Britain as we look now and then beyond the election is the introduction of deposit return schemes for beverage containers. It's absolutely critical, we think, to create the true circular economy here.
0: I mean, you mentioned deposit return schemes there, and that actually moves us on very nicely to Ruth, and how we can talk about policy interventions and things like deposit return schemes that need to be put in place to reduce plastic pollution.
3: And I suppose let's take it back one step from there, because... We go back to sort of hearts and minds because communities really want to recycle um, they've all seen the blue planet you know Attenborough did a fantastic job there in raising people's consciousness of of the pollution that we have in you know oceans but we know in the air you know all our waterways and everything so the people on the ground really want to help and it's making sure In opposition, in government, whatever, we are there to help and and make legislation that's easy to understand by industry, communities, and individuals. um, And and it it encourages people to do the right thing. So, for instance, we talk about the circular economy. So that means before a product is even developed, built, bought, whatever. There is was a, a clear pathway for its recycling. So it, it's, it's very definite. It's not, oh, we, we've made this, oh, okay, now what do we do with it? It's, Before we make it, how do we recycle it? And that's what we mean by circular. You have to start off with that. You also have to have adequate recycling facilities um, for individuals as well as communities, because at the moment, we know things like you know crisp packets. If you take them to a particular place which might be 20 miles away, you can recycle them. <laughs> That's not efficient and that's not effective and that doesn't work. The packaging has to be properly recyclable and easy to do because the consumer wants to do the
0: right thing. We need to make it easy for them. Yeah, I spend so much of my life holding things up and going, can I recycle this? Can I not recycle this? Um, and I have four different bins. You
3: don't have seven. Though. <laughs> Who has seven? Prime Minister suggested that in Wales we have seven and that's not true because in Wales we have the best recycling rates in the UK, third best in the world. But we have bags and boxes and it's very clear to the individual which bit goes in where. But like Julian said about, you know, putting the cap as attached to the bottle is such a simple thing, but it really works because then you put the whole thing in. You don't just lose the cap. It's really simple things like that, along with the more more complicated things like extended producer responsibility deposit return scheme. They all have to work together and come together.
0: And you mentioned those extended producer responsibility programmes, other waste management policy instruments. What, what's worked in other countries? What have you seen that's really been effective?
3: I mean, the deposit return scheme, as Julian said, is the, probably the most effective. I think we started off in February 19, the government had a consultation. The government's had many consultations since then, um, but we're still not any closer to actually getting up. And it's been paused now. In Scotland, it's been paused. What we want is a Labour party. We want a simple system that everyone knows how it works and it's operable across the UK because at the moment we're in danger of having Wales doing something different to England which may do something different to Scotland and Northern Ireland is late to the party you know so it's a problem at the moment. We need to make it simple and straightforward.
2: Just building on that point that Ruth made I think it's a really important point. Last week the Republic of Ireland was the 41st country to launch a deposit return scheme for drinks containers it's taken them three years, it's a lot of collaboration with industry and government, and it looks like they've they've done a really good job to launch it. But again, as Ruth said, it, it, frustration for all of us here in uh, in Great Britain that we've been talking about this for seven years, and trying to find a way to make it happen, and still don't seem to have got closer to uh, a launch here, and have that risk and that concern that we end up with different systems across the different countries. which wouldn't work for business, it'd be blooming confusing for consumers and massively suboptimal for the environment, I think.
0: Costas, are you kind of in agreement that a deposit return scheme is the most effective thing to implement in terms of impact?
1: It depends which problem we're trying to solve here. (laughs) So we have different um, narratives and different challenges at hand which are somehow conflated even in the mind of experts. One is the plastic pollution which takes different forms in different places. And uh, in the UK, I would say the most acute form uh, that you're all exposed to or, or are familiar with is visible, this littering, of course. But the other forms of this plastic pollution that relates to the generation of microplastics during the use is about the carbon emissions from the materials production rather than the use and the recycling or recovery phase. There are more complex issues that might uh, the deposit return scheme might not provide any answer at all. If we're trying to reduce littering, might be a reasonable measure to do, but we're already targeting something that is the most successful story of recycling, circularity, and plastic pollution avoidance. We have a paradox here. Plastic bottles PET is the most recycled material worldwide. There is a big global market of demand and uh, it's, it's, it's even more that in places where high recycling uh, rates collection will match the littering phenomena. So it's, it's, it's more complex than that. So through uh, a deposit return schemes for plastic bottles, for example, yes, it will improve something that works relatively well already. These are marginal gains in the very big picture of plastics pollution.
0: You sound quite optimistic, Costas.
1: Is not necessarily optimistic. DRS will work, will provide value to these materials and incentivize individuals to return them rather than uh, uh, throw them away. But the phenomenon of littering is is more complex than that. is 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 a behavior thing. It doesn't associate necessarily with uh, the materials or or the products themselves. And uh, I think we have to wider. Uh, policies like uh, extended producer responsibility, targeting the flexibles, targeting the uh, other materials that uh, we use uh, really uh, recently, uh, those, for instance, food grade uh, polypropylene, and that historically we haven't been on our agenda. I know there are provisions theoretically for that, but I would definitely agree with uh, Ruth and Gillian that we we need simple systems. To give you an example, The current provisions for the extended producer responsibility in England, they do not intend to cover the cost of littering for those items, while only uh, Wales and Scotland are considering that. We need unified, simplified approaches, and we need approaches that cover the true cost of recyclability, wider circularity, and plastic pollution avoidance. Just building
2: on the good points that Costas made there, I think the other thing that we see from deposit return schemes is the quality of the materials that comes through. So at the moment, yes, we have very, very good recovery rates for packaging materials, aluminium cans, for instance, uh, glass bottles and PET bottles through household collection. But particularly with the plastic bottles, We find that the quality of the the material that goes to recycling plants is very mixed. Um, It can be virtually unrecyclable back into food grade materials and it can be at the other extreme of really good quality. So you get a consistent high quality as well as high quantity of material from a DRS, which I think is a really important factor in that boosting uh, of the circular economy and helping producers uh, address some of their carbon footprint uh, as well. So, but these things cannot be done in isolation. Deposit return schemes have to be part of an overall strategy from the government and extended producer responsibility is critical to that as well.
0: One thing that shareholders really like to see is companies meeting their ESG goals. A lot of this plastic that's being produced is being produced by big companies that are answerable to investors and shareholders. So how can the circular economy, Julian? help companies meet those ESG commitments?
2: I think, certainly from our perspective, it, it's one part of our overall sustainability strategy. It's an important pillar, but it's just one part. And I think companies have to, particularly of our size and scale and impact, have to have true joined-up sustainability strategies, not, not only because our consumers expect it, the civil society that in which we operate expects it, but, but also increasingly shareholders expect. And I think certainly my time here at Coca-Cola, I think the thing I've seen and I've been pleased to see is much more scrutiny and attention coming from the investment community onto businesses to understand what are they doing and what positive role are they playing in the world.
0: Absolutely. And Ruth, moving on to you, you know, how can we use policy as a tool to intensivise businesses and to help them meet those ESG commitments?
3: I think it, it comes down to the bottom line is money. So basically, if you're taxing companies, you need to make sure that they understand the legislation. And I printed it off this morning, the EPR guidance. It was a big Load of paper, don't worry, I'm going to recycle it afterwards. But it's really important that we make it straightforward. It's like the tax system, you know, if it's straightforward and easy to understand, then people will do it. Otherwise, you get evasion and avoidance, and that's what we don't want with EPR. We want to make it straightforward. Companies know what they have to do. At the moment, they're collecting data, they're not sure exactly what data to collect, exactly how it's going to be used, how much will they have to pay in the future. It's very difficult to build your business when you're trying to juggle unknown financial commitments in the future so i think that's really important that we're clear with business what we want from them let's be honest business you know coca-cola like all the other big businesses that i meet with regularly they're all committed to working together to make sure we save our planet it's 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 you know it's a basic and things like the emissions and the development of, of plastics you know, virgin plastic takes oil, we, we want to keep fossil fuels in the ground. So let's go back to mechanical recycling or chemical recycling. How do we do this more effectively and efficiently to make sure we're all part of this
0: circular economy that we're talking about? Yeah, um, and that's a quite an interesting point that you make is, you know, recycling isn't always the cleanest business, right? So cost us, how can companies tackle this plastic pollution in tandem with tackling climate change?
1: I think this uh, is a very interesting question because it, it uh, points to the fact that, again, we have different uh, challenges. Sometimes things are getting uh, confused here, so climate change is an absolute necessity to tackle and there is a dimension there of the plastics pollution or the circular economy agendas that uh, really speaks and can uh, help address the climate uh, forcing we're experiencing. So. Essentially, we want to uh, produce less plastic. There's no other way around. I think there is a major misunderstanding uh, around the world that the major action that we can take to address climate forcing and climate change is to recycle more. Um, Yes, these can uh, offer certain tangible quantifiable benefits, but is nowhere close to the benefits that can come from less consumption. And we have to be absolutely clear about that. Ruth talked about the necessity of simplicity and we have been arguing for years that the complexity of um, whole systems is at the basis of the failures we've been experiencing and uh, also results in loopholes as we had in the past with the PRNs and PERNs systems which needs major revision if it is to work in, in a useful way and not exploited by criminal activity in the future. So what, what I'm saying here is that we need things that we know that can work, but we need also more, if you like, dramatic changes in the way we see things. For example, if we talk circularity, we have to move to more refillable solutions build more on the reuse side of uh, things that are currently just uh, explored on the surface, but we haven't seen much tangible action, really. We also need to uh, have a look on the wider implications. Of course, we're trying to sort out the UK challenges, and we have a lot of challenges here. But if we look on the wider Commonwealth, the plastics pollution challenge and the absence of circularity is massive, and it's possibly the Commonwealth is roughly responsible for half of the global plastics pollution emissions our our models are sowing. So in that sense, yes, we can uh, simplify things. We can take different measures. For example, we could start collecting all the plastics and we built on innovation. So there are all sorts of things that can be done We can collaborate the businesses together with academia, but also the different sectors themselves to find win-win solutions across the supply chain, which hasn't historically been the case. So there are lots to be done beyond the mature conventional thinking that is already proposed in uh, the law that was put forward and, to my opinion, unnecessarily delayed, deposit return schemes and extended producer responsibility. They won't solve every aspect of the challenges at hand. We need more radical thinking.
0: It's interesting there, Costas, because you, you mentioned the holy triad of reduce, reuse, recycle, which is the phrase that we hear all the time. Julian, Costas made pretty clear there that reduction is the most important thing. Would you agree with that? What about repairing things? You know, what, what should companies be prioritising?
2: I think that the smart companies are, are embedding um, all of those principles into their operate, operating models now building on the points of cost made. It is, it is absolutely about looking at your use and where can you reduce the amount of material you use and where can you start increasing the amount of recycled materials you use. And that's not only the right thing to do. Also, usually it comes with business benefits as well. So, you know, the smart businesses have long recognised the importance of doing that. And then going forwards, you know, it is about looking at new business models. And I say new business models because they will be back to the future, really, for in, a, in a UK context. But refill, reuse systems we used to have, certainly for beverages, 30 plus years ago, they started to be switched out. Um, whereas in quite a few of the markets where we operate, um, they are still a really critical part of the overall pack mix, very popular with consumers. So, you know, I think in the UK context for us, the immediate priority is we've talked about it quite, quite a lot on, on this podcast let's get the EPR DRS changes in place, that's the right thing to focus on. As a business, we want to build on that by looking at our dispense business, which is effectively a packageless part of our overall business. Can we grow that? How do we grow that in new and innovative ways? And then, who knows, five, 10 years from now, how do we build on top of that a refill business similar to what was probably here 20, 30 years ago and what we see in other markets doing, doing really well? And, it, and it's kind of that stepped approach that that we're also really giving a lot of thought to at the moment.
0: And Ruth, I guess this leaves the last question to you, which is, you know, with what Julian has mentioned, should the government be working in tandem with companies to help them implement those kind of policies? Or should you be kind of laying down the law?
3: I'm a a team player. So I believe in cooperation, collaboration and working together because that's the only way to get things done. We have experts in academia like Costas, but we have people like Julian who will say, this will not work, or this will work, or we can work it together. So I think I I see government as an enabler and a facilitator rather than laying down the law. And I think it's important, we do have clear legislation and we have timely legislation, because at the moment we appear to be kicking the can, whether it's aluminium or whatever, it's being kicked down the road at the moment. And we need to get on with things and do things. We need to make sure that schemes that come in can be modified and amended because let's be honest nobody sets it perfectly the first time round but I mean as Julian said we I'm old enough to remember the milkman you know you put the milk bottles out in the morning you've got your fresh ones back that's a basic you know recycling scheme refillable scheme you know I, you can take your get your plastic containers and get your cereal at the local shop and whatever in certain areas now we need to build on those things even things like going into the future cardboard wine bottles i've seen them they do work they don't leak Um, it's really important that we move forward as well as remembering what worked in the past you know bring the two together because that's the only way to do it but always keep talking to industry and the community because that's what we need to do mesh it all together
0: thank you to our panelists julian hunt ruth jones and costas fellis You can find more coverage of Spotlight's policy reporting at www.newstatesman.co.uk forward slash Spotlight. My name's Emma Hazlitt, and this episode was produced by Suze Cooper. Thanks for listening.